Good morning. I'm glad to be here with you. Uh, I will be preaching from Colossians 1 this morning. I was thinking, uh, well, first of all, this passage is uh, beginning in verse 15, Colossians 1, 15, 23. The passage is on uh, the person of Christ, who He is, that He is human and divine, and His relationship to the Father, His relationship to creation, uh, his relationship to believers. Now, leaving that for a moment, um, I was, um, I don't know, captivated, maybe it's the word, by the Sunday school lesson. And uh, they thought that when you read the stories in the Bible, um, there are a lot of bad things in the Bible, okay? But then there are a lot of stories that it is obvious that God is present and is up to something. And, and it's um, sometimes a little humorous, although not too much, but how, how uh, ignorant people are of what God is up to and how he's doing this thing that they don't know what it's about. And and then something happens and they're kind of, you know, surprised. And of course all the time I'm thinking about how this works for us, that life goes on as it does. And, and I think often we're, we're uh, you know, perplexed or confused or disheartened about life and, and how it's working or not working. And uh, we, we tend, I think, to forget um, who God is and who Jesus is. Um, how do you these verses here about Christ, I think, remind us of God's presence. Uh, Christ, uh, the fullness of Christ's person is what we see here. And I'd like to say this in the beginning, too, that um, I feel really I think the word is grateful uh, for some things that I've experienced in life, and one of them uh, is the opportunity. Uh, I'm pausing because uh, often when I'm speaking like this in front of people and saying things, there's all this stuff going on back here that's reminded me of other things that I need to be thoughtful about when I say what I'm going to say. So, that's going on. We'll see what I say about what's going on back here. Um, I've, had, I've had the opportunity to talk with many people about really hard things in their life, and the thing, the thing that I feel the most grateful about in that is not 
this was what was going on in the back of my mind. It's not the troubles they have that I feel grateful about, but it's it's uh, the many times in conversation and prayer that that uh, that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father, did something unexpected for them, and that's that's probably one of the reasons that I. Um, have as much faith in God as I do, despite uh, sometimes the circumstances of life. So I want I want to uh, this morning. Hopefully, uh, you can be captivated by who this Jesus is. Uh, one month ago, I uh, preached here. It was actually on the tenth of February. I thought that was interesting. Today is the 10th of March. Um, but I spoke then about the theme of Paul's attitude toward the Colossians, and I used the first part of chapter 1. And so this morning is the second theme that I have here in the book, which is the theme of the fullness of Christ's person. Um, Paul's goal in these verses is to show that Christ was both human and divine, that he was the creator, that he has supreme authority over everything he created, uh, that he is preeminent over uh, his natural and spiritual creation. And of course, all of this then has an implication for us which is the conclusion that uh, there's something there's something expected of us. There's something right and proper and and should be voluntary on our part response to this person who is this person. So the first uh, the first thing we notice here, uh, well maybe I should read first. Um, I guess I'll back up a little bit and start in verse 11. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And I'm reading from the ESV. And I I wanted to read those few verses because at the end of those verses, Paul introduces Jesus. So, he... God has delivered us from, from the domain of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. So, who is this Son? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, 
visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So, first of all, I'd like to uh, make a comment on, on the false views of Christ that Paul is addressing here, and then we'll go on to what he says about Christ, because they are a response. They address these false views. Uh, the one view is that believing the belief that matter is evil. Uh, false teachers argued that God would not have come to earth as a true human in a in, a, in bodily form. And Paul says that Christ is the image, the exact image of God, and is Himself God. And yet he died on the cross as a human. He died there's several times in these verses that say that, that he died in his physical body. He has redeemed us in a body of flesh. Uh, another be- false belief, they believe that God did not create the world because he would not have created evil. And Paul says that Jesus Christ is the one who created the universe every part of it, and he's been intimately involved in it, uh, and he, and he um, maintains it. They said that Christ was not the unique Son of God, but rather one of many uh, intermediaries between God and people. And uh, Paul's statements here are that uh, Christ existed before anything else, and, and uh, the term that's used in the King James is, King James is the firstborn of those uh, resurrected from the dead. I'll talk more about that. And they also talk that um, Christ is not the source of salvation, that there are other ways uh, to get to God, and the main way they proposed was through special knowledge, secret knowledge. The uh, Paul says it's through Christ alone, through the death of Christ, through the shedding of His blood. 
and through his resurrection. So this idea that that um, uh, Christ's relationship to the Father, that's the first point here. I don't even know if I said that. The first thing Paul, Paul addresses is Christ's relation to the Father. And he says that uh, that Christ is the full expression of the Father. He fully expresses who the Father is. Uh, so I'd like to uh, look at other passages briefly that uh, speak to that. Uh, Philippians 2.6 says that Jesus is equal to God. Uh, in these verses, the uh, Paul says, adopted same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, a humble attitude, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited or grasped or hung on to or used for one's own advantage is the idea, equal with God. John 10 um, Verses 30 and 38 reads like this, uh, Christ speaking, I and the Father are one, but if I am doing them the works of the Father, if I'm doing the works of the Father, and you don't believe me, believe the works. This way you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. In John 12, Jesus said, The one who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And the one who sees me sees him who sent me. The idea that Jesus uh, reveals the Father. John 14, uh, Leon referred to this. I don't know if it's in his comments or in his prayer. Um, you know um, the way to where I am going. Uh, and Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Uh, and Philip said, Show us the Father, and that's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been among you all this time, and you do not know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Uh, so it wasn't exactly what Leon said I was thinking it was, but it's in the context of, I think the previous verses talk about Jesus going to prepare a home for us, and uh, the, uh, the apostles are confused and wondering uh, where he's going, and so we have this conversation. And Jesus is saying that he's one with the Father, he's revealing the Father, and they should be able to know who the Father is by observing who he is and the works that he does. And then John 1, 
18, Jesus said, No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. And so the Bible, uh, there's quite a few verses that talk about the relationship between the Father and the Son, that they are one uh, in character, um, one that they are like each other, and they express the same um, ideas, and I don't even know how to talk about that, but the same ideas, beliefs. Um, so here in Colossians 1.15, it says that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. That's the idea. An image here does not refer to a physical form. It, it implies the illumination or expression or exact representation of the character and the qualities of, a, of another person, Christ of the Father. Jesus represents and reveals God to us. And we, we see this uh, we see who Christ is. He often talked about this, but we see who this is, who Christ is. We learn to know who the Father is by observing who Christ was in his life, uh, in his behavior, in the things he said, in the way he lived his life. Uh, his attitude towards sin, his attitude towards people, and the kinds of things that he cared about and spoke about, and the way the way he uh, related to the devil and evil and people, uh, all of this reveals the heart of the Father, the stories he told, the things that he taught. Okay, the second uh, category here is who is Christ in relation to creation. Um, the natural world. Uh, and so, verse 15 starts out, He is the image of the invisible God, but then the next phrase begins the discussion about His relationship with nature, creation. It says He's the firstborn of all creation. Um, and uh, by him all things were created. Uh, all things were created through him and for him. There, there are many, many ideas here. It's a very compact wording. Um, so Christ um, is supreme over every creature, over all of creation. Because he was the creator of all things. That gives him the right. Because he was the creator of all things. He's the source of creation. He's the agent of creation. And he is the goal of creation. Everything that exists uh, is for him, by him, and, and will achieve his goal. 
And uh, God does have a goal. He does have a goal. I think, uh, for me, There, there are many things as I get older. There are many things that uh, bother me, and uh, if I didn't ever pay attention to the news, they probably wouldn't bother me as much. But there are there are really, really many, many things out of order in the world. Many, and one of the things that I notice. Uh, about our world is uh, the attitude people have about creation, about the world, the universe. And so I'm going to say that uh, one of the things that helps me not, uh, I don't know, not lose my cool or lose my stability. Uh, is, is the reminder to myself that God, Christ, created the world, the universe, and He has a plan, and it's not going to blow up. It's not going to blow up. The things that people talk about, I'm not saying there's nothing to them, but I'm saying that God is bigger than these things and has a plan in them. So, everything is created for God's purpose and will fulfill His purpose and go. So, Christ is supreme over every creature. And He's supreme over creation. And He is superintending His creation. Um, and then, uh, He's the Sustainer, at the last part of uh, 17, uh, in him all things are held together, is what uh, ESV says. Um, now I can't think the King James term. What's the King James term? 17 verse. Yeah, consists. Um, uh, which means are held together. And the idea there is that what I said before, that Christ is holding the created universe together. Uh, I had a, a teacher at Liberty make this comment, which uh, was a new thought to me. Uh, made the comment that that verse teaches that if it wasn't for Christ, the universe would explode. It would disintegrate the atoms molecules, whatever it is, that make things what they are, they would not they would not continue if it wasn't for Christ. So creation endures is held together because of Christ's intimate care. And this is an attack on this heresy in that day that matter is evil. Thought, okay, this thought comes to me though. You know, I, I think it's not just uh, a heresy in Colossi. I think sometimes we struggle with this idea too of what our view of, of matter is and our view of our bodies and whatever, you know, we can get so 
uh, frustrated with uh, with um, our bodies or matter that doesn't cooperate with us or do what we want or um, some of that might be our choices that contribute to it. But I'm saying that matter is not evil and it's actually um, the, product, the product of God Christ's um, creation and it's good. Um, so Christ, we know that Christ was intimately involved in creation when he was here. There are many times that he spoke a word and calmed a storm a number of times and uh, had power over, over evil and uh, people's sicknesses and so on. So Christ was involved, in, intimately involved in, in his created order when he was here. Uh, so the one lesson here, I think, is that uh, this divine person, who also was human, and had a human body, uh, is the source of all creation and the whole universe in some sense, and I, I don't really know how to talk about this, but the whole universe in some sense is the and I don't know what word to use. Um, the word I wrote down is embodiment, expression of the person. The whole universe is an expression of the person of Christ or the Trinity. Uh, the universe, material things, according to uh, Romans 1, expresses the glory of God. And it does that because God is the Creator. Christ is the Creator. And I feel like uh, I feel like there's a lot of um, truth related to the to what the connection is between the universe and and God, God's person or Christ that I don't I don't really understand and don't know how to talk about. But I'm trying to say. That is, I think is true. Okay, the last area I have here this morning is who is Christ in relation to believers? And uh, verses 18 and 19 uh, and following there, um, he's the head of the church. He's the head of the redeemed uh, of all ages and all uh, tribes. Uh, all, all people groups. He's the head of all the redeemed. And he earned the right to be the head by his death and resurrection. These verses teach that Christ did this in his earthly body. So there's something about Christ earthly body and his bearing to the cross everything that was wrong with his earthly world and doing this in an earthly body and and shedding his blood unto death. That 
it just seems to me all of this is really beyond our understanding, but we're supposed to believe it. it, it it's hard to understand how this all works. But Christ in His earthly body bore to the cross everything that's wrong in this earthly world. The whole world. He bore to the cross and He suffered for everything that's wrong and He bled and He shed His blood. And Said that he 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 is the firstborn. It's talking about not the beginning and not being born. It's talking about the first one of the many who will follow. And so he suffered in this world, and he died, and he rose again. And uh, this kind of power over death and the devil is available to us because. The captain of our salvation has experienced this and brings, makes this possible, works in us the same, the same reality. Christ is the first fruit of the dead, and this gives him the right to be preeminent, head, ruler over the church, over those who have experienced his kind of resurrection from the dead over those who will be resurrected from the dead as he has been resurrected from the dead. He, he, it is right for him to be the ruler of all, the authority over all, because he is the redeemer over all, because he suffered and died for all. The reason Christ rose from the dead was so he might have, I think the King James says, so he might have, or might be, or might become first, preeminent, above all. These verses say that all the fullness of God dwells in Christ. All that God is dwells in Christ, abides in Him. And all that are in Christ have access to this fullness of riches, of wisdom, of spiritual knowledge, fullness of salvation. All who are in this full Christ have access to this fullness of God that dwells in Christ. And then the last part of uh, these verses, uh, 21 to 23, uh, it talks about um, the blood of Christ. He has now reconciled uh, those who were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in the body of his flesh in order to present you holy and blameless. So, uh, to restate, Christ bore to the cross in His body everything opposed to God and God's kingdom. He bore to the cross the sins and sicknesses and misery, all of them, everything that is wrong in the world, everything
everything that uh, weighs us down and troubles us and is not right. He bore all of this to the cross. And He suffered and shed His blood to the point of death for everything that is wrong with each of us and everything that's wrong with each person in the world. And, and uh, I would say even uh, it's worth thinking about that he, he also bore everything to the cross that's wrong with the people that we don't know what to do with. And the people that bother us and trouble us and make us upset. And uh, we wish they would just get away somewhere else. But none of you have that going on for you. Uh, and right now I don't have anybody like that in my life. But it might be, you know, sometimes. It's worth thinking that Jesus died for these people too. Through the shedding of Christ's blood, to bring uh, a reconciliation to everything in the universe. Uh, all that has been alienated, um, alienated from God and alienated from each other. Uh, our alienation with creation, even. The answer to all of this is the shedding of the blood of Christ. So this includes all people of the world, all cultures, all people groups, all people who are estranged, Jews and Gentiles. And, uh, and, and by the way, in the news nowadays, uh, and you don't have to be looking at it, but uh, one of the big issues right now is the anti-Jewish sentiment. And the things that are said that I'll just say, I, I really, it is amazing to me that, that after World War II and the, the whole Nazi thing and the killing of Jews, that people today would have the, uh, the same sort of things to say about the Jews is beyond my comprehension. Uh, this is, this is uh, the devil. Wow, I didn't realize I was going to be so emphatic when I said that. And I'm saying that Jesus died for that problem too. Uh, verses 21 and 22 talk about uh, the, what's alienated and, what's, and also what's evil in our thoughts and actions that they separate. Our evil thoughts and actions separate us from God and others and creation. But through Christ, we are brought into the Father's presence and presented to the Father holy and blameless and able to stand before Him faultless. So Christ, Christ has done this great work and He and He is always present. Yes, I want to say that. Uh, I do believe by, by the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is always present with us. He's present with us in every circumstance. And I know quite well that for many of us, depending on the circumstance, we feel totally alone. Alone. Forsaken and alone. And, and I know a good many people who feel like when they try to pray, there is no God and, and Jesus is nowhere and they are alone and the prayers don't go above the feet. And 
And I just want to say that that is not true, that Jesus hears the prayer, but I'll have to admit it's a mystery what he's doing with it. I'll just be honest. I don't think I don't think we have the ability to figure God out or figure Christ out or uh, like Job trying to understand what is going on. And we we kind of know nowadays because we can read the, the account in the Bible, but he did not know. Well, that's us. I'm saying Jesus is present and he's working. Uh, Christ knows where every part of us is in all our brokenness and lostness and confusion and distress, and no part of us is lost to Christ. He holds each of us together in all the world. He holds all the world together, and He holds each of us, and He is at work, and there's an end. He has an end. He has a goal. Uh, it's a good goal, uh, but we don't see it, but this is a call to faith. So, uh, this, this is what we see then in verse 23, that, that we will come to the good end he has in mind if we continue in the faith. And I, I know sometimes, uh, for me, even I can think, I wonder if I have faith because I'm, uh, you know, in a struggle, wondering what is going on. Um, I think... Uh, uh, God honors a small amount of faith, too. Uh, if Christ is the Creator, if Christ is one with the Father, if Christ has revealed the Father, if Christ is the Creator and Sustainer and holds all things together, if Christ has died and risen, for everything that is wrong in the world, including everything wrong with us, Then why not? Why not? Why would you not uh, surrender your body and soul and spirit and situation and all the details of your life to Christ? That's what this passage is suggesting. If this is who Christ is, then bow down and uh, worship Him and trust Him and follow Him. And it doesn't say it here, but the reality is that, that everyone will bow down to Him in the end. Everyone will acknowledge who, who Christ is in the end. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, for your word and um, the reminder of who Christ is. And uh, Lord, we, we do kind of realize that this is uh, the biggest question that we need to answer is who is Jesus? And, and you say, you say who Jesus is in your word. And uh, I'm asking you, Lord, to speak to each of us what is true about who Jesus is 
and what is true about our relationship to Jesus and our attitude toward Him. And so, Lord, work to accomplish your good purposes in our hearts and work to bring us to the good end that you have in mind. And thank you. Amen.